Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in GE Energy Power Conversion France, formerly known as Converteam, versus Autocompu Stainless USA. Search York, the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Argued January 21st, 2020. Decided June 1st, 2020. Dyson Krupp Stainless USA, LLC, entered into three contracts with FL Industries Incorporated for the construction of cold rolling mills at Dyson Krupp's steel manufacturing plant in Alabama. Each contract contained a clause requiring arbitration of any contract dispute. FL Industries then entered into a subcontractor agreement with petitioner GE Energy for the provision of nine motors to power the cold rolling mills. After the motors for the cold rolling mills allegedly failed, Otokumpu Stainless USA LLC, which acquired ownership of the plant and its insurers, sued GE Energy in Alabama State Court. GE Energy removed the case to federal court under Section or 9 U.S.C. Section 205. It then moved to dismiss and compel arbitration. Relying on the arbitration clauses in the FL Industries and Thyssen Krupp contracts, the district court granted the motion concluding that both Otokampu and GE Energy were parties to the agreement. The 11th Circuit reversed. It concluded that the Convention on the Recognition and Enforcement of Foreign Arbitral Awards, New York Convention or Convention, allows enforcement of an arbitration agreement only by the parties that actually signed the agreement and that GE Energy was a non-signatory. It also held that allowing GE Energy to rely on state law equitable estoppel doctrines to enforce the arbitration agreement would conflict with the convention's signatory requirement. Uh, the Supreme Court held the decision below is reversed and remanded, and Justice Thomas delivered the opinion for a unanimous court. The New York Convention does not conflict with domestic equitable estoppel doctrines that permit the enforcement of arbitration agreements by non-signatories. Chapter 1 of the Federal Arbitration Act, FAA, does not alter background principles of state contract law regarding the scope of agreements, including the question of who is bound by them. That's uh, Arthur Anderson, LLP versus Carlisle. The traditional principles of state law that apply under Chapter 1 include doctrines like equitable estoppel, authorizing contract enforcement by a non-signatory. The New York Convention is a multilateral treaty addressing international arbitration. One article of the Convention addresses arbitration agreements, Article 2, and one provision of Article 2 addresses the enforcement of those agreements, Article 2, Number 3. Article 2, Number 3, provides that courts of a contracting state shall refer the parties to arbitration when the parties to an action entered into a written agreement to arbitrate and one of the parties requests such a referral. Chapter 2 of the FAA grants federal courts jurisdiction over actions governed by the convention. As relevant here, Chapter 2 provides that Chapter 1 applies to actions and proceedings brought under this chapter to the extent that Chapter 1 is not in conflict, conflict with this chapter or the convention. That's uh, 9 U.S.C. Section 208. 
the application of familiar tools of treaty inter- or familiar tools of treaty interpretation establishes that the state law equitable estoppel doctrines permitted under chapter 1 do not conflict with the convention section 208 the text of the new york convention does not address whether non-signatories may enforce arbitration agreements under domestic doctrines such as equitable estoppel the convention is simply silent on the issue of non-signatory enforcement this silence is dispositive because nothing in the convention's text could be read to conflict with the application of domestic equitable estoppel doctrines it's uh, article 2 number 3 the only provision in the convention addressing the enforcement of arbitration agreements contains no exclusionary language it does not state that arbitration agreements shall be enforced only in the identified circumstances. Given that the convention was drafted against the backdrop of domestic law, it would be unnatural to read Article 2, Number 3 to displace domestic doctrines in the absence of such language. This interpretation is especially appropriate because Article 2 contemplates using domestic doctrines to fill gaps in the convention. This interpretation is confirmed by the Convention's negotiation and drafting history, as well as the post-ratification understanding of signatory nations. See uh, Medellin versus Texas. Cherry-picked generalizations from the negotiating and drafting history cannot be used to create a rule that finds no support in the treaty text. Here, to the extent that the Convention's drafting history sheds any light on the treaty's meaning, It shows only that the drafters sought to impose baseline requirements on contracting contracting states so that signatories would not be permitted to decline enforcement of such agreements on the basis of parochial views of their desirability or in a manner that would diminish the mutually binding nature of agreements. That's uh, Sherrick versus Alberto Culver. The post-ratification understanding of other contracting states, as evidenced by the decisions of the courts of other convention signatories, uh, that's El Al Israeli Airlines versus Tosi Yon Singh, uh, and the post-ratification conduct of contracting state governments, that be uh, Zucherman versus Korean Airlines, may also serve as an aid to this court's interpretation. Here, numerous sources indicate that the New York Convention does not prohibit the application of domestic law addressing the enforcement of arbitration agreements. These sources, however, are from decades after the finalization of the New York Convention's text in 1958. This diminishes their value as evidence of the original understanding of the treaty's meaning. Finally, Because the court's textual analysis and the executive's interpretation of the convention align here, there is no need to determine whether the executive's understanding is entitled to weight or deference. Um, That's Edelman versus Lynchburg College. The Court of Appeals may address on remand whether GE Energy can enforce the arbitration clauses under equitable estoppel principles and which body of law governs that determination. The decision below is reversed and remanded. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion for a unanimous court. Justice Sotomayor filed a concurring opinion. 
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of the podcast, we can be reached at RhodesScholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and the number 80. Or on Twitter at Court Syllabus.